0: Our text for today is found in Mark chapter number four, Mark chapter number four, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 35. The scripture says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves began to beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, "'Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing?' Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, "'Peace, be still.' And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, "'Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith?' And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Then they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones." This morning as we turn the page on 2017 and embark on a new journey and a new story, a new chapter of 2018, I want to minister to to you on the subject of hello from the other side. Hello from the other side. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? Would you make this message real to each one of us? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. When I first thought about the New Year's service um, and series, I thought we would do a series called Sync. And um, the takeaway was going to be aligning your life to win. And uh, But as I began to think about that, the Lord changed my heart a little bit uh, to be more in sync with what He wants to communicate to us in 2018. And so we are simply calling this series 18, and the tagline is the blessed year of your life. Not the best year of your life, but the blessed year of your life. There's a difference between best and blessed. And trust me, you'd rather have blessed than best less is better than best. And so the reason why we're talking about this is because I think that numbers are significant. And you might remember that last year we did a series called Banner Year based on the number 17. And the number 17 we talked about, it means release, restoration, and return. But 18 means something entirely different. And as you kind of journey through the numbers in the Bible, you find that each one of them has significance. As you know, uh, one is the number of unity. Behold, the Lord your God, he is one God. Two is the number of agreement. It. Where any two or three of you agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done for them. Three is the number of resurrection. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Four is the number of the earth. Five is my favorite number. It's the number of grace, right? Jesus was grace personified, and his, his name has, has five letters to it. Five of the most important words in our redemption uh, have five letters to them. Blood, water, cross, death, and risen all have five letters to them has five letters to it. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. On the sixth day, God created the man, and then he rested. Seven is the number of completion or perfection. And Jesus, on the cross, where he perfected our sin where he perfected the payment for our sin I should say gave out seven different sayings because seven is the number of perfection eight represents new beginnings or new order and so on the eighth day Hebrew children were circumcised and in the New Testament eight symbolizes new birth it's the cutting away of the flesh of the heart of the circumcision of the heart nine is the number of completion or finishing and so Jesus died on the cross on the ninth hour and when he did he said, it is finished. And 10 is the number of divine order. And so that's why, for instance, if you want divine order in your finances, and quite frankly, in your life, God says, give me the first 10% of all your increase. And so each, each number has something significant to it. And when you come all the way down to the number 18, from a Hebrew point of view, 18 is comprised of eight and 10. I know there are a lot of different combinations to make up 18, but from a Hebrew point of view, they look at it as eight and 10. And so eight new beginnings and, and, and 10 divine order. And when they put it all together to them, it means good, good fortune it means good luck, if you will. But from a scriptural point of view, blessing. And even from a Hebrew point of view, it means blessing. Some people would, would argue that it means bondage. And if you do a little Google search without doing a lot of study behind the search, actually, in some circles, 18 does mean bondage. But in, from a Hebrew point of view, it means blessing. And, and the reason why we know this is, for instance, in most temples, there's a famous prayer. And I'm not going to pronounce it correctly because, because I don't know Hebrew. But it goes something like this. It's called the Shema. Mone Ezrai or the Amidah. And in that prayer, which is, is done in most temples, guess how many blessings they pronounce? 18. See, look at that, how smart you are. And so so 18 really is, from a Hebrew point of view, it's the number of blessing. And so that's why we've named the series 18, or the blessed year of your life. And I believe that's what we have to fix our heart and our mind to, that that 18 is going to be the year where we experience the fullness of God's blessings. And I think every year we should look forward to something. And I think the good thing about this year is we get forward to experiencing not God's best, but God's blessed in our life. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 and 2 says this, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully. All his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations, and all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. We're so used to in life being overtaken by circumstances or problems or trials or all that kind of stuff, but I think we have to set our mind, we have to set our heart to be overtaken by the blessings of God. And wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be good to just live in a place where, where you're not trying to chase blessings, but where blessings are chasing you. And one of the biggest things we have to do in order to position ourselves for that is you have to set our mind for it. And and it's so difficult in in this day and age to set your mind for that because there's so much bad news out there. There's so much crazy news out there. There's so much crazy experiences going on in everybody's life. It's almost like we condition ourselves for all of that stuff. And I think what God is saying to us in 2018 is begin to think that this is the year where blessings overtake you. Get ready for God's blessing in your life actually as you read down in Deuteronomy chapter 28 from verse number 3 to where it switches to pronouncing the cursings that come upon us if we don't obey the Lord guess how many blessings God pronounces Look at that. <laughs> See, you guys are just so smart. 18 blessings. And so God wants us to know that 18 is the year of blessing. And he says all sorts of great stuff. You ought to read it when you have some time. For instance, he says, blessed will you be in the city. In other words, your work will be blessed. Blessed will you be in the field, your home where you live will be blessed. you have perfect offspring. Your kids will be blessed. Your crops and will be blessed. Or your harvest, the things coming into your life will be blessed. Your cattle and your flocks will be blessed. In other words, prosperity will come into your life. Your baskets and your storehouses will be blessed. In other words, your savings will be blessed. And he goes on and on and on. And he talks about all the blessings. And so I don't know about you and if I'm the only one, that's okay. I'm getting ready for the blessed year of my life. And I think you should too. And so In order to be blessed though, you just can't kind of be a Christian and be blessed. Otherwise everybody would have the same amount of blessings, if you will. The Bible talks about you have to obey the Lord your God. And so I think blessing requires some, some attitude adjustments. It's some overall life adjustments and some actions. So we have to change our attitudes. We have to make adjustments. We have to take some actions in order to be blessed. And I want to give you in this series a few keys to, to living, to experiencing the blessed year of your life. And, and the key that I want to focus on today is the key of transition because in order to be blessed you have to transition well Everybody goes through transitions in life. Matter of fact, I think that's why we love the turning of the new year because it's a transition, right? I mean, there's got to be something up with why people would stand out in the freezing cold for hours upon hours to watch a ball drop when you could watch it on the couch, in your house, with a bathroom and some snacks. I mean, I don't know about you, but but that sounds better to me, right? And, And you know, when you're out in that crowd, you can't go to the bathroom. They, they matter of fact, they, they tell you that kind of beforehand if you Google it. That's the one disadvantage of being in the crowd. Nowhere to go, especially if like you're in the middle. Imagine how long it would take you to get to. So you know what people do? They actually wear diapers. Not crazy. I mean, you know something's got it. And did you see Steve Harvey? He was rocking that big old white jacket that he had on. And I love Steve Harvey. And and Steve, he knew you couldn't go to the bathroom. So what did he do? He had them hook him up with his very own porta potty right there, right beside where he's hosting. But it wasn't a regular porta potty. They actually show shots of it. And uh, matter of fact, he gave it as a prize to somebody he picked out of the crowd so they can go to the bathroom. He had it hooked up with with leopard skin in there. I mean, it was nice and. 'Cause he knew that uh you, you can't go to the bathroom when you're there. But so there's gotta be something about transition. That draws us, that that we love, and I, I think it's because we all like the ability to turn a page. We all all like the ability to wipe the slate slate clean. We all all like the ability to to leave some unwanted things behind. We all love the ability to look forward to to better things, and so that's what transition is all about. But but transition in and of itself does not guarantee blessings because we all go through different transitions, but but that doesn't mean we transition well. For example, you can. Tra- Transition, if you will, from um, let's say a single person to a married person, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a good marriage because you got to got to transition well. You can transition from a student to somebody who has a job and a career, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a good career because you got to transition well. You can transition from your career to retirement, but that doesn't gonna, that doesn't mean you're going to have a good retirement. You got to transition well. The children of Israel they transitioned from slavery through the Red Sea of freedom, but that didn't ensure that their freedom time went well because they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't know how to transition well. And so what I want to talk to you about today, is how do you transition well? How do you go from one season, one circumstance, one one year to the next, one station in life to the next, one place that you thought you would be to a place that you currently are now? How do you transition well? And I think transitioning well has everything to to do with what we glean from where we came from, right? No experience in our life should ever be wasted. When we waste experiences, we waste wisdom. And so I think God wants us to glean. And so I want to use our story today as, as kind of like a type, if you will. And so the sea that the disciples and Jesus passed over, that's 2017. And the storms that they, they endured to get to the other side, those are the things that all of you came through in 2017. And when they got to the other side, that's 2018. And, and when they got to the other side, and if we're, we're going to get to the other side and, and and live well and experience the blessed year of our life we're going to have to glean something so that we can look at 2017 and say hello from the other side and so i want to use this story as that as we come to the story we find that uh, jesus has had a bad day and if jesus could have a bad day Sometimes we're going to have some bad days. Um, The bad day that Jesus had was, was first of all, there was a rumor started about him. And you could read this in the prior uh, chapters leading up to Mark chapter number 4. And the rumor that was started about him was that he was possessed by a devil. And the reason why he was possessed by a devil, they thought, is because he was casting out devils. And so he must have had power from the devil to cast out devils, which makes hardly no sense whatsoever. But you know how rumors go. People just believe stuff because it's like, you know, fun to believe stuff about other people. It's just not fun when the stuff is about you, right? And so anyway, this rumor was started about him. And here's the thing that was hurtful to Jesus is his friends, his close friends and his family believed it. And they went to look for him to try to, to try to rescue him because they they thought that he went insane. And, and this was on the heels of Jesus preaching an eight-hour sermon. The, you know, the Sermon on the Mount was an eight-hour sermon. He, he was preaching a long time. Some of you are like, oh, I wish Jesus was my pastor. No, you don't. If Jesus preached for eight hours, you know, some of you would never go back to that church ever, ever again. And Jesus wasn't particular about his topics either. Jesus gave 38 little short sermons called parables, and half of them were about money. How many of you know you wouldn't go to that church? And oh, I wish Jesus was my pastor. Trust me, you don't wish Jesus was your pastor. In any case, and, and so Jesus has preached for eight hours. There's rumors going on about him. His, his friends and his close family believe it. And that's on top of all of the normal Jesus stuff. Because when you're Jesus, you do a lot, right? I mean, you got the whole world to manage. And so he's managing everybody's problems and, and he's helping people and he's unstopping deaf ears and opening blind eyes and, and walking on water and doing miracles and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the Bible says, on that day, this is how our text opens up, on that day they took him even as he was into the boat how was he? exhausted tired, I mean that in and of itself is a message to think that the God of the universe who never sleeps or slumbers subjected himself to the weariness of our flesh so that he could redeem us and so he, he's tired. He's exhausted. So he says to his buddies, he says, hey, man, we got to get out of here. Let's go over to the other side. Let, let's let's get out of this area where everybody's pulling on me, where everybody's, you know, I, I just need a little rest. And they get on the boat, and he's got some some professional fishermen in, in his in his crew. And so he says to them, y'all can handle sailing. Get us over to the other side. As soon as he gets on the boat, what does he do? He takes a nap. He's exhausted, right? And he's so exhausted that he's sleeping through the storm. I guess that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is that he's so peaceful in every storm that he's sleeping through the storm. There is the potential to have the peace that passes all understanding in the middle of every storm. And that and that's part of what it means to experience the blessed year of your life. And so um, this, this storm suddenly arises, right? And you remember what happens? The disciples begin to panic, and they, they go and wake Jesus up. And Jesus wakes up, and he says, peace be still, and the storm calms down. And the first takeaway, it's just kind of like an incidental kind of sidebar, if you will, is isn't that just like the devil? That, that he sends storms into our lives when we're weak. He waits for that opportune time. He waited for Jesus to be sleeping. He thought he could sucker punch Jesus while he was sleeping. The devil thought that on his best day, he was stronger than a tired Jesus. But here's the good news of the story. On the enemy's best day, he still is no match for a tired Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I can't function. But Jesus just went... Peace be still, boom. And everything the devil tried just died right down. And so the devil just kind of tries to sucker punch him. And and, and this storm happens, you know, at the Sea of Galilee. It was a perfect place for, for storms to happen. And the reason why it was a perfect place is because of the way it was positioned. It was in a basin of sorts, mountains all around it. The cold air of the mountains would come down off of, uh, of the mountains and hit the warm uh, uh, water, and it would erupt into a sea storm. And so this happens, and everything seems to converge at one particular time. And, and Jesus gets up, and he calms that storm. And, and here's how I picture it in my mind. The disciples, after this crazy storm, get to the other side. What would you do? When you got off that boat, I'd kiss the ground. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you know what the disciples were doing back in the storm, right? They were like, God, if you just get me through this storm, I promise to go to church every single week in 2018. God, if you if you get me through the storm, God, I promise that I'll become a child. God, if you if you get me through this storm, I promise I won't sin no more. I promise I'll be nice to my family. I promise, God, I promise I'll witness for you every single day of my life. and be an example of my job. God, you, I promise. I won't. They got to the other side and went right back to life the way it was. You're not just like us. And so they they kissed that because they made it through the storm. Just like some of you have made it through the storms of 2017. Health storms that you made it through. Loss of loved one storms that you made it through. Financial storms that you made it through. Some of these secret storms that you made it through. Storms nobody knew about because you didn't tell nobody. You kept it inside, you got up every morning, you got dressed, you put your makeup on, you put your clothes on, you put a smile on just like you put your makeup on. Nobody knew you were going through a storm, but you made it through that storm anyway. You made it through that overwhelmed storm where you felt like life was just pressing in on you so much that you didn't know if you were going to make it another day, another moment, another hour, but you made it all the way through. And like the disciples, to some extent, there's this euphoria that, that, that's expressed when everybody sees that ball drop right there. It's a, it's a, we made it to the other Side, and I think that's wonderful to celebrate. And I think that we we should celebrate making it to the other side. There's something to be said for getting through a storm that was sent in order to take you out. There's something to be said for that. We should give God praise. But but sometimes people just want to forget about everything that has happened in the prior year. And I think that we need to put some things behind us. But but I think we need to lean into the lessons that we learn from the things that we've been through in our lives. And so what I want to do for you is I want to give you today a couple of lessons to lean into in 2018 so that you can have the blessed year of your life. The first lesson I want you to lean into is, is lean into the lesson of the storms. What is the lesson of the storms? That the presence of storms does not mean the absence of God. Listen Listen carefully. You might, you, you might say that's obvious, but no, it's not. Because what happens when we go through storms? Don't we always ask the question, God, where are you? And if we don't ask the question out loud, don't we feel that in our heart? Because we subscribe to the theory that if God was with us, there would be no storm. If God was with us, we wouldn't be struggling. If God was with us, the circumstance wasn't happening. If God was there, we wouldn't be going through what we're going through. And so the lesson of storms is a simple one. It's simply that the presence of storms does not mean the absence of God. And the disciples, they are panicking while Jesus is in their boat. Because they forgot that the presence of storms doesn't mean the absence of God. And I want you to look at this with me a second here. Look at verse number 36. It says, And other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on pillow. Now now there's a little side message that we need to lean into while we're going through the storms. It's not the message that I want you to lean into, but it's a side message. And it's found in this little phrase, there were other little boats with them. Now, I don't know about you, but that tells me that the boat that Jesus and the disciples was in was the biggest boat. Because otherwise there were other little boats with them. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going through a sea storm, I want to make sure I'm on the biggest boat, don't you? I mean, come on. I mean, you got to be grateful for the things that you can be grateful for when you're going through a storm. And here's why this is in the Bible. It's because we have this tendency when we're going through storms to not be grateful for anything. And when you're not grateful for anything, it makes the storm worse. But the disciples were in a big boat while other people were in a little boat. How many of you know there's always something to be grateful for? And so they were in this big boat. But they were, they were still panicking because they didn't realize we don't need to panic. Jesus is in our boat. And that's really the, the message of the storms, that the presence of storms is not the absence of God. A storm doesn't mean that God doesn't care. A storm doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. A storm doesn't mean that God has left you. A storm doesn't mean that God has given up on you. A storm doesn't mean that your life is over. The lesson of the storm is this, that, that even if your boat is taken on water, if Jesus is in it, it's not going to sink. the the lesson of the storm is it even if your boat is being battered it's not going to be broken beyond repair because Jesus is in the boat the lesson of the storm is that if you know Jesus is in the boat you know that even though you may not understand the hows and the whys and the circumstance and so on and so forth that in fact there is another side and you will eventually get to the other side of whatever it is that you've come through whatever it is that the devil has sent your way and eventually you will be able to say with a joy and a He's on the inside of you. Hello from the other side. Because the presence of storms doesn't mean the absence of God. That's the first message. And it's a serious message because there will be storms in 2018. Storms will come your way in 2018. But how many of you know you can still have the blessed year of your life even when you're going through storms? See, it is possible to be blessed in the storm. Blessed. See, that the Bible says, peace that passes all understanding. You know what that means? Blessed in the middle of the storm. But in order to be blessed in the middle of the storm, you got to lean into the lessons, the things that you've come through and keep them in your heart. The second lesson that I want you to lean into is I want you to lean into the lesson of faith. And the lesson of faith says this, that faith works by love. Did you notice the disciples come to Jesus and they ask Jesus in what in my opinion is a crazy question here 's what they ask him he said lord don't you care that we 're perishing verse thirty eight Jesus answers the question in verse number forty, and he says, "Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith and, and when you put those two questions together, in them lies the lesson of faith that faith works. By, love, let me flesh it out for you for just a minute. First of all, the question the disciples asked Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And the reason why they asked this is because of what we said before, because they feel like we feel that if God cared, we wouldn't be going through what we're going through. And so they asked them the question, but what a crazy question to ask God. Let me let me put it to you this way. Let's pretend for just a moment, you know somebody that's going through some financial struggles. And, and so what you decide to do for them is you decide to go pay their mortgage, pay their electric bill, pay their gas bill, buy them groceries, pay their insurance, pay their car bill, and give them some extra money so they could live during that period of time. And during that period of time, after you've done all that, they get a cold, a bad cold. Let's say it's a flu. And you don't know, and so you don't call to check up on them. But then about five days later, you just call just to say hi. And when you call, they go, huh, I was wondering when you were going to call. Don't you care about the fact that I've been sick for the last five days? What? Excuse me? Listen to what they asked Jesus. Don't you care that we are perishing? Um, yeah. I left heaven and I came to earth for you. I left heaven and laid aside my deity and subjected myself to the limitation of humanity. For you, I'm tired right now, the God who doesn't sleep, the God who doesn't slumber. I've never experienced tiredness in the history of my existence, which has been forever. But because I came to this earth for you, I'm tired right now. Do you realize that the reason why I'm here is to take the penalty for your sin so that you don't have to perish? Are you seriously asking me the question? Do I... Care about what you're going through now. Can we just be real? How many's asked the question before? How many's asked the question before? Have you never asked that question? You are not. You're not a normal human being if you never asked that question. The question belies everything that Jesus did. Jesus, don't you care? They are doubting his care. They are, they are, they are doubting his love. And instead of Jesus answering the question immediately, do you notice what he does immediately? First, he calms the storm. Which to me is baffling, because if I was Jesus, I was like, y'all are going to swallow some water. (laughs) There's no way you're not swallowing water right now. There's no question. But you you know what Jesus does? Jesus is like, he calms the storm. He does it anyway. He helps them anyway. And forgive me if I just need to take a personal moment and thank God for all the times that he helped me anyway, that he helped me when I didn't deserve him to help me, that he helped me when my faith was floundering, that he just intervened and I didn't deserve him too. That's the kind of God he is. He helps him anyway. And then he answers the question. And then he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Years ago, I, I taught that Jesus was upset with them because they didn't exercise their faith to calm the storm. That Jesus was upset with them. And you know, he's kind of a little upset, right? You, you get that from the question? Like, the question isn't kind of like, you know, like a, like a real kind, like just looking for an answer to this question. It's a poignant question, right? It's almost a rhetorical question. It's a question that, that really doesn't require them to respond. just requires them to think. Matter of fact, whenever God asks you a question, that's what it's for. It's so you think, because just in case you don't know, God already knows the answer before he asks the question, right? And so, so he asks them this question, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a ticked off question. Why are you so fearful? How in the world is it that you don't have any faith, right? Now, I used to teach that Jesus was angry because they didn't exercise their authority to calm the storm. Because, you know, he has given us authority to calm storms, right? Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. The Bible says that we can speak to our situation and our situation ought to obey us when we speak to it. And so I believe that, but here's what I don't believe. I don't believe that that's why Jesus was ticked. It's almost as if we believe that Jesus was, was mad at them for asking him to help Do something that they could do. And that's not at all the reason why Jesus was ticked. Because look, look at this. Philippians 4, verse number 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind. And so according to this verse, I'm supposed to go wake Jesus in everything I'm supposed to invite God's help and invite God's assistance in everything so if he's telling me to involve him and invite him in everything then he can't be mad at me for waking him and asking him to help when I'm in the middle of a storm he can't possibly be upset with me for not trying to do it by myself because that's where most of us get into trouble So it it wasn't that he wanted them to do it himself because we're supposed to involve him in everything. It's like the old song. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So he's not upset Watch you wake. Can't believe you wake me. Don't you know I'm tired? I don't want to. I don't want to be bothered. So some of us think that that's how God is, but it's not. A, he's ups, not upset because of that. He's upset because of the way that they woke him. Notice what it says. In everything, with what, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made unto God. Watch this. Watch this. Don't you care? That looked like Thanksgiving to you. No, 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 that's not Thanksgiving. See, what that is, is that is a doubt in his love. That's a doubt in his care. And, and Jesus is saying, it's not that you woke me, but it's the way that you woke me. You woke me by doubting that I loved you. You woke me by not having any faith that, that I don't want you to perish. You woke me thinking that I want bad things for you. And because that, that's why I'm upset with you. See, we 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 think that God expects us to have faith to calm storms. We think that God expects us to have faith to move mountains. I'm going to get there in a second. We think that God expects us to have faith to alter situations. Can I just take the pressure off you? God doesn't expect us to have any of that kind of faith. Not a lot of pressure. Uh, God, I I don't know if my faith is strong enough to move this mountain. Has anybody ever thought that before? Can can we just be, I have, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can move this mountain god is not saying have faith to move a mountain god is saying have faith in the mountain mover have faith in the love he's saying you need to point your faith in the right direction you need to point your faith to the love of god and listen to what jesus said mark chapter 11 verse 22 23 and 24 listen to it it says have faith in god Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Now, here's what we've taught for years, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to take a new look at this. We taught, first of all, that have faith in God doesn't mean have faith in God we taught that have faith in God means have the faith of God. And I believe that there is some truth in that. But I believe it misses the mark. Because he's not saying I have to have faith to move a mountain. Because in another place he said if you have a faith as a grain of a mustard seed. So which one is it? Do I need to have this small faith? Or this big faith? He's saying you don't need to have any of that kind of faith. The faith you need to have is you need to have faith in the love of the mountain mover. You need to have faith that he doesn't want you to perish. You need to have faith that he's in your boat. You need to have faith that he wants good things for you. Because when you have faith in the care and the person of Jesus and just how much he loves you, that is what activates faith. Watch this, watch this. Galatians 5:6, what does it say? Faith worketh by love. Faith worketh by love. How is it that you have no faith, and I'm going to add something here, in how much I love you? In how much I, isn't that the context? In how much I care about you see here's our problem is our faith battle really is a battle of how much does God love how much does God care and we need to get so acquainted with God so so very acquainted with God that we understand in the middle of every storm in the middle of every trial in the middle of every circumstance not the particulars of the circumstance not the particulars of the whys and the hows and the whats because sometimes we'll never understand that stuff but in behind and at the bottom of all that things at the very essence of our faith needs to be this I may not understand why I may not understand how but one thing I've got settled in my soul is that he loves me he loves me he loves me he loves me and when you have that in your core that's what produces a peace that passes all understanding the lesson of faith Faith works by love. But here's the third lesson I want to give you. And I think it's the best lesson. It's the lesson of Satan. And the lesson of Satan says this. What Satan sent to stop you, God will use to strengthen you. What Satan sent to stop you, God will use to strengthen you. Isn't it apparent from our story? That the storm was sent by Satan to stop Jesus and his disciples. Isn't that apparent? I mean, he he tried to sucker punch Jesus while he was sleeping. Storm storm came out of out of nowhere. And isn't it coincidental that as soon as they got to the other side, that immediately as they were kissing the shore, a man came out of the tombs, which the Bible says was bound by a legion of demons who no man can set free. In other words, Satan had his hold on that guy forever and nothing could be done for that guy. And so here is Jesus and he is on this side of the shore and on that side of the shore is something that God wanted him to do for somebody else and so in between where he was and what God wanted him to do Satan sent a storm see here's what you need to get in your heart and in your mind and in your in your life is that the reason why storms come your way is to stop you from doing what God has intended for you to do you cannot buy the lie of the enemy the enemy is sending the storm Because God's got something better for you On the other side And so Here they are And they get on the boat What I think is It's really amazing is Jesus doesn't give them a heads up Wouldn't it have been nice Hey guys a little heads up um, Yeah we're going to go sailing But this storms going to come he doesn't say, hey, guys, let's hang out here for 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes. And then, and then the storm will pass and we'll, we'll, we'll sail through. We won't have to have a storm. And so what this tells me is that if it's coming to my life, then God's going to somehow redeem it and use it. Because if, if it, 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 see, I believe this. I don't know about you, but I believe that my steps are ordered by God. I don't know if you believe that or not, but I believe that my steps are ordered by God because the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. And so if I, if I'm, if I'm going somewhere and I encounter something, I believe two things about stuff that I encounter. I believe number one, and if it comes into my life, it's because God's going to use it. And two, if it comes into my life, there's no way it's stopping me. I believe that. I I can't teach you to believe that that kind of belief only comes as you press in to a relationship with God I, I can't teach it into your soul. You've got to experience it into your soul And so this storm comes and jesus doesn't give them a heads up So somehow some way It's not going to stop them It's only going to strengthen them And just push the pause button there for a minute and go with me in your mind to the conversation that jesus has with peter before the cross In Luke chapter 22. Do you remember that conversation? Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, on the surface, it seems like what he's saying to Peter is, A storm is going to come into your life, but it's not going to stop you. And that's a powerful message, isn't it? Powerful, powerful message. That's the message you ought to live with, right? Live or die, you ought to live with that message. The Bible says some people died in faith. I I figure like this. I'm dying. If I got to die, believe it. That if a storm is sent my way, it's not stopping me. That's the only way to go. I believe when we go out that way and we get up into heaven, you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is going, there you go. Way to go. High five me on that. I believe that's what he does. seems like Jesus is saying the storm that sent you away is not going to stop you. But he's saying something deeper than that. He's saying not only is the storm not going to stop you, but it's going to strengthen you. Why? Listen to what he said. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Let me ask you a question. Is that a bad thing? See, it's a tough question to answer because we know that everything Satan does is bad. But, but here's my question. Is, is sifting someone like wheat a bad thing? The answer is no, it's not a bad thing. The answer is it's actually a good thing. So watch this, I'm gonna mess with some of y'all's theology big time right now, so get ready. Here's what, here's what God is saying. He's saying what Satan is gonna to do to you is a good thing. Ooh, did you feel it? You feel everybody go? I didn't say what Satan intends for you is a good thing. Because whatever Satan intends for you is always a bad thing. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his intention. But here's this is what God said. God didn't say what Satan intends for you is a good thing. He said what Satan's going to do to you is a good thing. And here's the reason why. Because we serve a God, Romans 8, 28, who takes all things and works them together for our good. And so Satan is going to try to stop you. But what Satan is going to wind up doing is he's going to sift you. Some of you don't understand why that's a good thing Well in bible times and we don't understand it because we don't sift wheat anybody ever sift wheat Right Sift a little flour similar, but nobody sifts wheat anymore But here's how they did it in bible times They take the whole stalk of wheat And the stalk of wheat had the chaff and the grain right and the grain was locked inside the, the 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 chaff And what they would do is they'd spread it out on what was known as a threshing floor was of concrete. And you know what they would do? They would beat the snot out of the stalks of wheat with a flailing stick. Whack! Whack! Anybody ever feel like life is just beating a... Whack! Whack! Beating the snot out of you? Anybody ever feel like life is just wailing on you? Whack! 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 And, and, and in the process of beating the snot out of the wheat, the shaft. The part that nobody wanted would be separated from the grain, the part that everybody wanted. And, and and it would be separated, but you couldn't get to the grain because it was mixed in with all of the chaff. And so the next part that they would do is they take a winnowing fork, a pitchfork of sorts. They'd stick it into the wheat. How many of you know that sometimes life sticks it to you? Nobody ever got stuck to in life before. And now it just sticks it in. You think, Oh Jesus, what what is going to happen? And then what happens is everybody would get tossed in the air by life. And then they'd throw it up in the air and the wind would blow. And on the, on the outside for somebody who is, who is looking at it here. It would look like the wind just took all the hard work and blew it completely out of the way. And anybody ever feel like, I don't understand what is the purpose of this? But to the person who was throwing it in the air, they'd they'd see that all the grain, as the shaft was blown by the wind, would fall to the ground. And the usable grain would be lying there for everybody to enjoy. See, some of y'all ought to be shouting already. I don't know why you're not shouting already. See, because here's what, what God is saying. God is saying that, that 2017 may have beaten the snot out of some of you. 2017 may have just flailed on you and flailed on you and the devil sent those storms into your life to stop you. But here's the reward for the faithful. God is going to use that slapping the snot out of you to sift you and that what is going to remain in your life is going to be more usable for God than it ever was. And so what you need to do as you stand on the shore of 2018, is you need to look back at 2017. And you need to say something like, how you like me now. Because you came to break me, but all you did was bless me. Because I started out with some impurities, but they have been blown out of the way. I started out with a weak faith, but now my faith has been strengthened. I've been confused, but now I'm conformed. I was this way, but now I'm more like Jesus. And what God wants you to know is above everything else. That God wants to make you more usable. More usable. You're on the other side. The disciples were, were on the other side. They watched Jesus cast that demon out of that man. They watched Jesus calm the storm. They learned some lessons along the way. And it wouldn't be long before Jesus said, Okay, now take over from where I left off. Isn't that what Jesus told us? But in order for us to to take over from where Jesus left off, we've got to be purified and we've got to become more like him and we've got to be more usable. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hold my hand up high. I'm ready to look back at 2017 and say hello from the other side. You thought I was going to lose my faith, but hello from the other side. You thought I was going to cast away my relationship with God, but hello from the other side. You thought that I was going to stay perpetually depressed, but hello from the other side. You, th- you thought that I was going to stay broken forever, but hello from the other side. You-, you thought that you could stop me, but all you did was strengthen me. Hello from the other side. I don't know what you had in mind, but, but I, did, I didn't understand everything, but one thing I kept deep in my heart and deep in my spirit is that He loves me, and that even though I was going through the storm, he was in my boat and even though that, that I thought I was going to sink, that I'm alive and I'm here for a reason, I'm not taking up space on the planet, the reason why I survived the storm was so that I could serve God for the rest of my days, hello from the other side, Satan I got a message for you and the message goes something like this, how you like me now, I think I look a little bit more like Jesus than when I started out right now, and listen some of you some of you can 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 get excited because you're on the other side and some of you are still in the storm and i get it but i'm going to i want y'all to do something right now would you stand with me especially especially those that are still in it especially you who are still in it and i want you to raise your hand with me come on do it by faith by faith right now raise your hand like this Picture your your storm right now. Picture it and I want you to say from the bottom of your heart, come on. Hello from the other side. Declare it by faith. Hello from the other side. Declare it by faith. Hello from the other side. Declare it by faith. Hello from the other side. Declare it by faith. Hello from the other side. Declare it till it gets in your spirit. Hello from the other side. See some of you are making the devil nervous right now because he doesn't understand why after the storm that you're in or going through that you're able to point and say that by faith but I want you to know that 2018 will be the blessed year of your life Amen